Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Hart and moderator Sway. Well, What's well, going well, on? What's up, everybody? Uh. What's up? Y'all see Kevin Hart check, right check, here, right? Check, check, check. Okay, there it is. What's going on, everybody? Thank y'all for coming, man. This is nice. I feel special right now. This store makes me feel smart. This way. It does. <laughs> I feel educated in here. You feel educated? I do. I do. I feel like I know something. I don't, I don't really know anything, but I feel like if somebody asked me a question, I could have an answer, like, about something right now. Like a real intelligent answer? I do, I do. Like, I could say something that was almost good. Like, uh, well, you know, it depends on how many megahertz your computer has. Something like that. Like, something like, like just, that? Yeah, something like that. You yeah. know, well, what are you dealing with gigabytes? Here's the thing. Are you dealing with a hard gig? Soft gig? Like, I don't know. I don't even know the correct language, but I feel like I, I know something now. You throw enough for the jargon, right? The computer yeah, jargon. Just a little bit, just because of those steps. Like, that, those steps make me feel smart. <laughs> Let me go downstairs and check the gigabyte section. <laughs> Kevin Hart, ladies and gentlemen, give a round of applause. Thank you. We, we had a good time this morning uh, on Shade 4 or 5. You came up to the radio station, and, and we had a great conversation about Laugh at My Pain. Yes. And, man, it's just some interesting facts that I'm not even sure people realize in terms of how you put this movie together. And I, I definitely want to touch on that, but I want to personally congratulate you. When the uh, film was released September the 9th, in two months, you accumulated over $7 million. Thank you, sir. Thank in you, the man. In theaters. Well, hey, hey, I didn't accumulate it. You know, that's, that's, uh, you know, that's contributed to my fans. You know, with you guys supporting the way that you did, I don't know who went to see the movie theatrically or who didn't, but I take my hat off to you guys because I, I have no success without the help of you guys. So from me to you guys, I thank you, honestly, for your support, man. It's, it's, it definitely means a lot to me. So don't think I take it for granted. My fans are serious to me. Uh -huh. no. Yeah, they love you, man. How many Twitter followers you have now? Uh, right now, we had like three million. Three million on Twitter. Oh, uh, <laughs> Facebook fan page, we had like close to 4.5. So that's one of the Facebook. She said, whoa, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, you know what? I, I, I'm glad you guys are here because you know, so many people, it's hard for people to believe that, oh man, is it really him? Is he on Facebook? Is he on Twitter? Understand something, I take social media very serious because as a comedian, mm -hmm. it's, it's important for me to interact with the people that support me. You know, I'm not the typical movie star. I don't want you guys to ever think that I, I feel like I'm above or better than whoever supports me. That's, that's not how I was raised, that's not how I am. So that's why I'm so serious with Twitter. That's why I'm back and forth. That's why I retweet people. That's why I have the conversations that I have because mm -hmm. I want you guys to feel like I'm reachable. You can talk to me. You can touch me. I'm the guy on the street that'll stop and talk to you. Unless you're big. I'm, I'm going to keep walking. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I'm approachable, man. Uh -huh. I think that's important for comedians. I really do. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that you, you've done with this film that some of the greats in the past, like the Richard Pryors, uh, like the uh, Eddie Murphys, uh, so one of the things they've always did is they let you inside of the, their personal life. Mm -hmm. And you guys could take tragedy and make it into humor, you know, but that puts you in a very vulnerable state when you do that. What made you decide to make this film so honest? Well, for me, I think uh, honesty is the best comedy. You know, mm -hmm. when, when you talk about what you're going through, it's, it's easier 
for me to tell a story mm -hmm. when it's honest. Uh, people can relate to what you're saying. You know, when I, when I talk about me being a dad, when I talked about it when I first got married, when I, when mm -hmm. I talked about uh, divorce, you know, mm -hmm. when I talked about my mom passing away, my dad being on drugs, these are all things that I personally went through. Uh, it's easy for you guys to laugh when I paint a picture for you to laugh at, you know? Mm -hmm. If I give hypothetical situations of, you ever see or anybody ever hear, man, how many people I'm giving you the option to laugh? Whereas I tell you a story and this is all I know, you don't really have a choice. You're, mm -hmm. you're laughing at my life and at the same time, you respect me for my honesty later. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's, it's sad to say, but if you look at every negative thing that's happening in your life, I promise you, you'll find a positive moment in it. You'll, you'll find something funny about something bad that happened. If you got hit by a car, it's not funny when you got hit, but <laughs> two months later, when your leg is okay, somebody gonna look at you and say, yo, your dumb behind wasn't even looking, dude. You should have seen the way you held the bag when you got hit. <laughs> like, you never let go of the bag. It's something funny about everything bad that happens. It just takes a special person to look back at it, you know? Uh -huh. uh, I remember when I stole, when I was a kid, I stole Starburst. Uh, I'm just saying, I stole Starburst from a store and I got caught because after I stole a Starburst, me and my mom, we were on a train and I just started eating a Starburst. And she was like, where you get the Starburst from? I didn't get you Starburst. And I panicked. I was like, I needed them, so I took it. And she was like, <laughs> and I got a whipping. I got a whipping for eating the Starburst. You got a whipping for that? The funny thing was, for me was, I needed the Starburst so bad because everybody else talked about them. Like they were in style and I never knew what they taste like. So I stole them because I wanted to know what my friends were talking about, but my mom never understood that. Uh -huh. But for me, it's the funniest day ever. Like, I can, I can go on for days about stories. My daughter, my daughter just cheated on the test. Uh, <laughs> I talked about this on Rosie O'Donnell. My daughter's six years old, she got caught cheating on a spelling test. My daughter had a cheat sheet. And uh, like, the teacher told me, she was like, Kevin, you know, I just want to talk to you. Heaven, you know, she was caught with a cheat sheet. And as a parent, I'm supposed to be mad. Like, I'm supposed to be like, what? But I looked at the teacher, I was like, you gotta admit, that's kind of genius that she's thinking about that. At this age, my daughter knows how to cheat. That's pretty decent. That's pretty like, good, right? <laughs> she's on her way. Yeah. She's on her way to doing big things. Yeah, that's hilarious, man. I like that, too. I have a daughter, so I like what I hear you talk about your kids. You also talk about your mom. I know, and you know, man, she rest in peace. I know mm -hmm. you lost your mom, but she was very influential. Um, in your life, obviously, mm -hmm. your career and your success. Is, is humor for you, has it, has it been therapeutic in a way to help you deal with life issues? Of course, of mm -hmm. course. I mean, uh, you know, my mom passing away was definitely uh, an emotional time for me mm -hmm. when it happened, but I'm not that much of an emotional person. Mm. So the stage acts as my therapist to, to some degree. You know, me getting my, my feelings out and my pain out on stage is what puts it at ease for me. That's, that's me mentally putting whatever problem I'm going through at the time at rest. And uh, me talking about my mom and the funeral, for me, was my way of saying, mom, rest in peace. Because I never really said it. I never really showed that emotion at the funeral or to other family members. I kind of kept it to myself. But once I got up the courage to say it on stage is when I said, wow, OK, I'm OK with this now. I'm OK with my mom not being here. She's in a better place. I now accept that I got an angel that's watching over me. And that was my way of saying, 
That's like that's that's how I let it out. That's that's my way of getting that monkey off my back. And uh, I think I think I'm a better person because of that. Because I do it with anything, you know, whether it's my mom, whether it's my dad, you know, uh, relationship problems, whatever it may be. Once I vent and and express what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking to people, and I get that immediate reaction of laughter or or people understanding. Like, you gotta understand, laughter basically means I get it. Yeah. It's funny, but I get it. It's funny, but I get what you're going through, man. I can relate. For me, that that is better than any feeling in the world because now I, I can think to myself, I'm not the only one. People can relate to what I'm going through and also, you know, uh, kind of understand why I feel the way that I feel because I let it out the best way I know how, and that's through humor. Yeah. So that's why I said it like that. That's why I go through jokes. It, 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 it seems like nothing's off limits for no, you. Nothing. There's nothing you won't discuss. Nothing. On nothing. a stage show. Nothing. If you you're around me, you are a, a target at okay. some point in time. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, but it's not in a malicious way. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't attack people. You know, it's not my job to, to put people down. It's... My comedy is based off of personal experiences. So mm -hmm. this is a personal experience, you know? At some point in time, this will become material. How? I don't know, but yeah. it's something that happened in my life. I don't know how to talk about anything else but my life. So mm -hmm. if I've lived it, I'm gonna talk about it. So mm -hmm. that's why my friends and my peers at some point in time eventually become material. It's so not because I'm picking on them, it's, you're around me. You're, you're around part of me. you're part of what I see and what I do. This guy right here with the hat on and the glasses. Mm -hmm. At some point, he may be a subject in one of your routines, right? At some point. At some, at some point. point. Well, because you know why? Because I can see right now that this guy genuinely is a fan. Just just because. Just <laughs> he has his DVDs in his hand. <laughs> Yeah, see, and what you have has nothing to do with this special, sir. He has, he has a movie, scary movie four, and you know what? I get it. You're like, ah, that's good. I like him in this. I don't. This, this, you have different people. You have different types of fans, man, and I love it because I'm, I'm starting to appeal. You're welcome, sir. I'm appealing to everyone. And when I look in this room, it's universal, man. I see black, white people, you know, mm -hmm. Chinese people, Mexican people, Puerto Rican people. That means that I'm doing my job. Mm -hmm. I don't want one audience. I don't want black people just in whole to be my audience. If that is, that means that I'm stereotyping myself in one, one area. I want everybody to understand me and everybody to get me. So that makes me happy. And that's why everybody becomes a target. I yeah. appeal to everybody. I, I, think, I think that's... Uh, Reflective of your, your choices in movies, too. He does have a scary movie four, and you mm -hmm. scary movie three as well. I only have the fourth one. I only saw the fourth one. Oh, you See, only saw this the guy's funny. Yeah. This guy yeah, yeah. is funny. Like, now, now, three, I didn't like nah, it. Four, <laughs> that's the one that I liked. I don't... <laughs> but you've you done, you know, 40-year-old virgin. Mm -hmm. uh, you've recently done a role on Modern Family. Did anybody mm -hmm. see that? Yeah. And... Uh, I just uh, shot another one. Uh, <laughs> you have Fool's Gold, Fool's too? Go. I seen it once. I seen it once. You know what, sir? Then that was the one time that it was good, as long as you saw it once. <laughs> it's funny. You know what? I'm going to take this guy with me, because he's honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy's yeah. honest. He's, eh, everything else? Eh, I don't know, Kev. This stuff is good. This is what I like. Um, Modern, Fam Modern Family, I'm now a series regular on that, so you guys will be seeing me on that uh, a lot more. 
For those who don't know, I, I play Phil's black neighbor, which is hilarious. Uh, like, out of nowhere, we just become friends. And, you know, he constantly refers to me as his reason for having street cred. It's funny. Uh, what else? Uh, I mean, as far as movies, dude, you know, a lot of Long people don't King know. Polly. I'm 17 yeah, you, movies, movies deep. deep. I'm about 17 movies deep. And uh, uh -huh. right now, they're, they're getting bigger. They're getting better. And uh, it... It makes me respect the road that I had to take to get to where I'm at now, mm -hmm. you know? It was a road full of cameos, a road full of guest appearances. Not all movies were great, but now it's at a point where the movies that I'm doing now are quality movies. But you can't get to the quality if you don't do the things that were for quantity and, and that you had to do. Like, you have to get good. And I, I don't think people understand that. Like, when you see an actor in a bad movie, sometimes you think it's by choice. I can be honest, at mm -hmm. one point, I was in a financial situation where I didn't have a choice. You know, it was, hey, I yeah. need this check. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, I will do it. And like Soul Plane, was that one of those? Soul Plane <laughs> deserves an award, man. Soul Plane. So <laughs> Here, here's what I feel about Soul Plane, okay? Listen, I, I get mad when people talk about Soul Plane. Look, Soul Plane for me, man, that was a great movie because it wasn't supposed to be great it was a movie about stereotypes it was supposed to be dumb so the people that watched soul plane it was like what is this it's making black people look you should kill yourself because it had nothing it had nothing to do with that it was a stupid movie it was supposed to be dumb but if you take soul plane away i i don't get to where i'm at now like Soul Plane was the first movie I ever starred in. That was the first movie that put me on the stage where people could say, wow, this guy's funny. And it gave people a face to associate with comedy. So when I first started going out to comedy clubs, people knew me as the funny dude from Soul Plane. They didn't know Kevin Hart. And as time and years passed, then Soul Plane caught on. And technically, Soul Plane did about $30 million on bootleg. If we, listen, okay. <laughs> If that movie didn't got on bootleg, who knows what Soul Plane could have did? <laughs> <laughs> some, uh, some of my uh, first time um, that I really knew who Kevin Hart was was um, back in the depth of a dynasty, Paper yeah. Soldier days. Uh, you know, you did a lot with Rockefeller, Jay-Z, mm -hmm. Dame Dash. What role, like how instrumental were they, you think, in your advancement? Oh, man, in the beginning, you know what, if you take uh, Dame and Jay away, Dude, my, my opportunities don't come. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it's all about being in the right place at the right time. Uh, I was performing at Caroline's Comedy Club, and Jay-Z and Dame Dash was in the audience. I'm 22, 21, 22 years old. And at the end of the show, Dame Dash came up to me, introduced me to Jay, and was like, we think you funny. We got a movie for you. Literally, that's, that's what he said. I, know, know, I don't know what to think of this. I've never been approached with anything of this magnitude. So I was like, are you serious? He was like, yeah, I want you to come to the office, man. We want to talk. Before I know it, I'm at the office, I'm sitting in the same room as Dame and Jay-Z and they're talking about a movie and the movie's gonna get made and hey, we want you to be the star of it and it's gonna be cool, what do you think? And I'm like, yeah, I guess. I don't have a manager, I'm speaking for myself. Uh, I probably got paid $175 for the film. I don't even know what I got paid for the film. They might have gave me food because listen, because literally on Fridays, I was the only one eating. Everybody else had an envelope. They was like, you hungry? You want something else to eat, Kev? <laughs> I didn't know any better. I was just eating. Uh, but you know what? That movie became a hood classic and it, it circulated through the hood. And once again, it's what gave people a face to put with a name. And as I started doing comedy, you need that. 
You know, you can be funny, but people aren't just going to come see the funny guy. People want to see people that they know, that they can relate to. Who's that guy? Oh, that's the guy from the movies. Let's buy tickets and go see him. So my comedy club uh, status started to grow because of Paper Soldiers, because of uh, Soul Plane. And honestly, I owe that to Dame and Jay from just hanging out in the comedy club, thinking I was a funny guy, taking a chance on me. And uh, that movie gave me my first like piece of tape to bring to Hollywood. That's how I got my management. That's how I got my agents. It was from Paper Soldiers. Wow, so you take Paper Soldiers away, I don't have the managements, the agents, I don't have the transfer to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. That all came from the small thing like Paper Soldiers. So you never know the opportunities that are given to you. So you know, my advice for those people who are in the entertainment, entertainment realm is take every opportunity serious. Don't ever look at anything lightly because you don't know where that's eventually going to take you. Point A can be point Z at some point in time down the line, and you will never be able to connect the dots until you're at point Z, and you'll look at it and go, wow, I was supposed to do that. Yeah. That made me available to do this. Mm -hmm. Take that away, I don't have this. So Paper Soldiers and Soul Plane are big marks in my life. That's why I got big life-size posters of them in my house. <laughs> uh, and people have to respect those posters. You have to rub them. You got to rub them before house. you can like the yes. log at the yes. Apollo. It's All a rule. It's right. a rule. Okay. That's what's Show up. Show homage to Soul Plane. I didn't like it. Get out. Get out my house. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's um, you know, we, we saw each other prior to the day. The last time I believe I saw you was at the MTV Video Music Awards. Uh -huh. And you just mentioned about taking opportunity, taking advantage of any and every opportunity that comes to you. It was a last-minute decision sure to have you up there. How, how soon, I mean, how soon before the show were you notified that we wanted you to come and do uh, that? For the VMAs, uh, I'll, I'll give you guys the whole scoop. I just did the BET Awards. Mm -hmm. I just hosted the BET Awards. Uh, the VMAs were a little bit after. So the VMAs called me and they said, Kevin, we got some funny sketch ideas. Can you do the sketch ideas? I said, yeah, I'll do it. I come down there, we're shooting the sketches. We're doing three of them. I'm on my last sketch. It's about... 7 o'clock at night. The VMAs are the next day. They start rehearsals at 10 a.m. the next morning. We get done the last sketch. The producers come to me and say, Kevin, uh, can you open up the show for us tomorrow? I said, uh, what, what do you mean? Like, what are you talking about opening up the show? They said, well, we got like an open space. We got like three to five minutes where we have nobody filled in this space. Lady Gaga has to perform. After she performs, we need a bang. Can you do something? I was, yeah, I, yes, yes I can. Yes, I will do something. He was like, good, well, can you write it up and give it to us like tonight? I said, no, I can't, I, I'm, not that, I'm not that good. So they, they allowed me literally uh, just off of trust and talent, they said, well, you know what, Kevin, we're gonna just give you three to five minutes up top, do whatever you feel that can take the space for us and you know, we trust that you'll keep it clean and open up our show with a bang. So literally, that was all improv. It was off the, the cuffs on the day of, okay, I'm ready. And it, Kevin Hart, ladies and gentlemen, what's up, everybody? And I just, <laughs> I, just start, I just started talking. I just started talking, and whatever came out, came out. Yeah. I just remember I said something about Jersey Shore, uh -huh. and everybody started laughing. I was like, all right, good night, and I just left. <laughs> I, just, I, I just wanted to get off on a laugh. I was so afraid to say something else and get booed. I was yeah. like, what if I get booed? Like, I remember in the middle of me talking, I was like, what if they start throwing stuff? <laughs> Jersey Shore sucks! And everybody's like, I said, good night! And I just 
I just left. I just walked off the stage. Yeah, well, but literally, crazy. it was it was last minute. Uh, all about being prepared, man. It was it was spontaneous on their behalf, and I'm glad that they took a chance on me because it worked out well. The ratings were crazy. My reviews were crazy, and you know and now who knows? Biggest ratings we ever got. Yeah, I might be hosting VMAs next year. Yeah, who knows? Let's go. Let's get it. Yeah. Cool. Uh, you, you you mentioned that uh, that'd be great too. Uh, you mentioned that. You thought you had the thought of, man, what if I get booed? Mm -hmm. But I feel like every comedian has had that one night where they bombed. Well, where they bombed, they got booed. What was, what was your, your worst night, you think, on stage? Dude, I got hit in the face with a buffalo wing. This guy, <laughs> this guy threw a buffalo wing at me. <laughs> well, I didn't like it either, sir. Uh, he literally was so frustrated with my joke. I, I was in the middle of a joke. And I remember this guy stood up and was like, I, all I could hear was, nah, man. And he, like, it, it was half-bitten. Like, he just, like, he was so mad that in the middle of eating a buffalo wing, he stopped and was like, nah, man. Wop! And threw it. It said, pow! And I, I remember some sauce being on my cheek. It's the worst memory ever because it was like the buffalo wing hit me and slowly fell off. And it was sauce. And I tried to get mad. I was like, who did it? Whoever threw it, stand up. And I was like, I'm a man. Don't, don't think that because I'm telling jokes, I ain't no man. I'm a man first. And this dude stood up. He was like, I threw it. And I was like, man, that's why black people got to stick together, man. You know, like, I, just, I, just, I just walked off the stage. I was so humiliated. You know, here's, here's the thing, though, about, about getting booed or, or having bad shows, man. That helps you. Like, until this day... I, I, I thrive for the moment when I'm on stage and a joke doesn't go well, because you need that. If you're on stage all the time and it's standing ovations and everybody's roaring and everything's funny, you start to lose sight of reality. You start to lose sight of what's really funny and what's not. That's why when I'm working on material, I come to New York, I go to the comedy clubs, you know? I don't know who frequents the comedy clubs, but the Comedy Cellar, Stand Up New York, Caroline's, uh, the Comic Strip, Gotham, Dangerfields, these are all places I pop up on random nights and I just go to. And the reason why I go to them is because there's seven to 10 people in these audiences in some nights. And I'll go up there and I'll do 30 minutes in front of seven to 10 people and I won't hear any laughter. And it's good because I get to determine if the material is good by the reaction of seven to 10 people. Because if I go in front of 10,000 people, 10,000 people are gonna laugh. Seven to ten people are going to be honest. And when you get those eyes and they're just looking at you like this, like, like I've, had, I've had people check their phone in front of my face. Like, I can see you, man. Like, get off the phone. I've had guys while I was on stage tweet, oh, this is not good. Kevin Hart is not doing good. But you need that. Like I said, it does nothing but build character and, and put you in positions where you learn from whatever you're doing. And that's how comedians grow. We don't just get on stage and come up with great material. You have to bomb. Because when you bomb, you know what works and doesn't work. So me, honestly, I prefer bombing prefer in the beginning bomb, stages. Okay. Not, not at the end. Not when I'm done. Like, uh -huh. Not when I'm at that point and yeah. I got the show down. If I bomb there, I'm going to cry. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking in the beginning stages. You need that. It helped, it helped you get prepared of course, for, for of what course happens now. Also, you from Philadelphia. Anybody from Philly in there? Nobody. But that gives us insight of who you are and how it was for you growing up. So when you talk about your father being addicted to drugs, mm -hmm. you know, because a lot of people may say things and it's really they're really being facetious and it, you know they're, they're trying to come up with content and, and fool the audience. But mm -hmm. it, 
you know, what you're saying is absolutely true. What was that like? That's why it was up? important. It was yeah. important for me to do what I did mm -hmm. and uh, laugh at my pain. You know, before the comedy portion of the movie, I had a documentary where I take you guys basically to Philadelphia to see where I grew up, uh, not only my family, my house, my neighborhood. So you can see, the, I want you guys to understand, I'm honest. Whatever I'm saying is what happened. And uh, it's important to get the, the trust of your fans. Because when you believe me, and you see that what I'm saying is real, it's that much funnier. Uh, for me, growing up in that neighborhood, man, it, it builds so much character. Like that corner that I just showed you guys, I got chased from that corner so many times. <laughs> like you, you have no idea for stupid stuff. Like, Kev, those your bag of chips? Yeah. Give them to me. Ah, it's like just like so much stuff happened in that neighborhood. But I'm, I'm so happy that it happened because it's made me a better man. It's made me respect my upbringing. And now, yes, I'm in a much more successful position in my life. And I have kids. And my kids are being brought up differently. But because I know about that, my kids are aware of you gotta, you have to respect what you have and appreciate it because it doesn't have to be this way. And, you know, my dad doing what he did and being on drugs, I'm thankful for that, man. And I, I say this a lot, and some people don't understand it, but it's a powerful statement. My dad told me, he was like, Kevin, I was supposed to be on drugs just for you to know what not to do. And people don't understand that. Like, basically, my dad is saying he sacrificed himself, which is an excuse. But it's a good excuse. It's a good excuse because it makes sense, you know. If my dad hadn't have been on drugs and if he hadn't have made the mistakes, there's a chance I could be on drugs. There's a chance I could have tried drugs or tried to do something dumb. But I saw what my dad did. I saw the result of drugs, so I never walked down that path. And I'm the man that I am today because of it. You take my dad and those mistakes out now, I probably won't be the same way. So everything that happens, happens for a reason, man. I'm a firm believer in that. So, so your dad, so he, he really... Like, describe your dad. Like, he, would he really walk around with sweatpants and no, no underwear on My dad, if he came in this room right now, to be the most embarrassing thing ever. My dad right. never wore drawers. This is very it's serious. Okay. Never. <laughs> never. My dad flowed loose all the time. Uh, but he's just, he's one of those people that he says whatever he wants to say and doesn't realize the repercussions of what he says mm -hmm. until after he says it. Like, mm -hmm. I brought women around my dad, you know, and it's like, Dad, I want you to meet... This is uh, a girl I'm dating, it's Tamika. I don't like her teeth. And I was like, Dad, you don't say that. You don't, you don't say that while she's right here, Dad. She's right there. Like, but this is him. Like, he's ignorant, man. He doesn't, he doesn't care, but I love him for that. Like, I love my dad for that. I took my dad to LA. Uh, and, you know, there was a lot of people. I had a lot of celebrities around at the premiere. And the way my dad were asking people was for pictures, like, he saw Jamie Foxx. He was like, Jamie Foxx, come here, sucker. Take this picture. And I was like, Dad, you don't, you can't say that, Dad. Like, he, he was calling people their character names from TV. <laughs> like, to Sheena Arnold, he kept calling her Gina. Gina! Gina! Dad, it's to Sheena. She's not, she's not going to answer. Gina! He was, he was mad because she wouldn't answer. <laughs> oh, she, she one of them Hollywood people. Dad, that's not... Her real name, Dad. He called. He called her. He called her Pam. Pam. <laughs> he was. He was talking about Pam. The back of her neck. I'm like, it's not real, Dad. She doesn't really have those. B to B. No, Dad. That's not. You can't say that, Dad. She's not really B to B. That's not. 
I'm sorry. That's me. Everyone I'm with my dad, I'm just constantly apologizing. I'm sorry. That's just my dad. I give you, I give you another funny story about my dad. I had a TV show years ago called The Big House, right? Um, this was my first television show. I was 24 years old, starring in the show, created by me. I was writing it. I thought it was off to the races. Show wound up getting canceled. Um, I invite my dad to the taping of the pilot. I fly my whole family out, right? Keep in mind, it's a, it's a TV show, so it's a set. It's real, like, it's a set. This is real, they're taking care of my family. There's snacks, there's catering. Whatever they want, they're gonna cater to them because they're my family, okay? My dad got caught stealing, like, snacks. Like, basically, he was sneaking, my dad was sneaking cupcakes to my family. Like, they had cupcakes. My dad was putting cupcakes in his pocket, and they caught him because he, he kept going up to the banister handing them out and the security guard was like Mr. Hart you know you don't have to do that they're free my dad got mad at him he was like oh so what you trying to tell on me sucker you, you trying to drop down <laughs> you trying to die you trying to drop down on me man like they, they had to let my dad know he didn't have to steal like he, he was stealing stupid stuff like pins staplers he was just his pockets was full of nothing but like Nothing like staples equipment. Like it looked, he looked like a store. It was unnecessary. He had the little, what's the little stickets? You know, the little post-it stickets. He was just, he had about three thousand stickets, man. He just, he was just writing those stickets and putting them on stuff. Hey, remind me to go to the store later. Here, and he put a sticket on you. <laughs> but that's my dad, man. I love him for who he is. I really do. I, I don't want him to ever change, man. I want him to stay exactly how he is. All right. Uh, Kevin Hart, ladies and gentlemen, I want to open up the uh, floor for you guys. If you have any questions. <laughs> I don't see any hands. <laughs> Yo, my man is in Start here on the left. Hi, Kevin. I yes. know you're in a movie called Scary Movie 5. What is it going to be like from your point of view? Uh, Scary Movie 5. I'm not in a movie called Scary Movie 5, but I, I think I know what you're talking about. Superhero movie was a version of it, and now they're doing Scary Movie 5. I'm not going to be in it, but Scary Movie 5 should be a funny movie, though. They're actually filming it this summer. Right. You're welcome, sir. Let's, uh, let's, let's go over here. And while you're answering that, okay, go ahead, go ahead. So I got a question. I noticed that like all, a lot of comedians wear leather. Yes, like, sir. You had on a leather shirt. Uh, yes, Eddie sir. Murphy had leather pants. So I want to buy some leather pants, but she think it's a bad idea. My wife, she think it's a bad idea. So what, do you, what is your take on like wearing leather pants? And, like where you get them from? What is my take on wearing leather pants? Okay, uh, I'm gonna give it to you honest, sir. I'm gonna be honest with you here. Um, if you do buy a pair of leather pants, you should definitely. Um, run into ongoing traffic as soon as possible. Like, like there's, no, there's no reason for a grown man in 2012 to wear leather pants. The reason why on stage comedians wear leather, um, it's, a, it's a staple that basically Eddie Murphy put on comedy, you know? Eddie Murphy basically, by wearing the leather, out, the leather outfits, made it seem like when you get to a certain level of success, as a comedian, leather is a representation of that level of success. And uh, if, you look at, if you look at Martin, if you look at Chris Tucker on Def Jam, just go down the road and look at a bunch of comedians that got to a certain point. You're gonna notice leather. Bill Cosby wore sweaters with leather patches. Like, everybody had 
leather. I'm telling you, this is serious. So for me, it's simply doing what, what I'm supposed to do. You know, Jamie Foxx on his special at one point had a leather shirt. The only comedian that hasn't fallen under the leather trend was Dave Chappelle. And um, the reason why Dave Chappelle is such a brilliant comedian, he never had to follow suit or follow trends, man. Dave Chappelle had on a gas station shirt and a cigarette in his mouth and a pair of dirty jeans and some Tims. And he was funny because it's him and he's who he is and he's never tried to follow suit. And not to say the following suit is a bad thing, but for me, Eddie Murphy is why I do comedy. So when he put that stamp and I heard him talk about it in an interview, I said, you know what? Me getting to a success level, I have to pay homage. I'll be in leather on every special I do. I have something leather on for everyone. Yeah, every, every single one. Something to be leather. All right. Never pants, though. Let's go on the, <laughs> my pants. On the left over here again. Um, what was your favorite like, childhood memory? Favorite childhood memory? Um, you know, we didn't, we didn't have a lot of money uh, when I was coming up. And I remember when the Sonic 6 bike, um, it was a bike called the Sonic 6, and it was like a Huffy, but it had six speeds. I'm showing my age a little bit here. It had six speeds. And my mom didn't get me one. But the whole thing with the Sonic 6 was... It sounded like a motorcycle. My dad got me a bike and put a, uh, there was these juice things called hugs, the little juice boxes. Put it on my back tire and he didn't tell me. I started riding the bike and it made the motorcycle sound. Like, and I was like, yo! I got a motorcycle! But it wasn't, it was just a little juice box. But. It showed me I didn't really need one. I just kept getting new juice boxes and putting them in the back. But I had a ball that day because my dad, he was like, man, throw that juice box. It's better than that Sonic 6. And I believed it. It, it wasn't. It definitely wasn't. But that was, a, that was a good childhood memory for me. All right. On the right here uh, in the back. Go ahead. Just ask it. Oh, oh. Did you always want to be a comedian? Or was Where you at, sweetie? I want to see oh. you. There you go. And say your names, too, so you can introduce yourself to Kevin. Oh, okay. My name is Cecilia. Hi, Cecilia. Hello. Did you always want to be a comedian, or was there something else that you wanted to do first, and then you discovered that you were funny? Uh, I wanted to be a model at first, and uh, I stopped growing. After I stopped growing, uh, no, you know what? I, I didn't know if comedy is what I wanted to do, but I wanted to be in entertainment. I just didn't know how to get to it. Um, and once, once I found out that stand-up comedy could be an avenue to get to what I wanted to do, I said, you know what? Stand-up comedy could be my passion. That could be what I'm destined to do. And uh, after trying it, I fell in love with it. I was about 18. But I've always been a fan of stand-up comedy, you know, from the people that I've watched from prior to Murphy to Cosby to Sinbad. The list goes on and on. But, at the age 18 is when I said, you know what, I want to be a stand-up comedian. So at first, I didn't know for sure. I just wanted to be in entertainment. But after, after people guided me and showed me, hey, you can do this, is when I decided stand-up comedies was for me. On the right, over here. Hey, um, Kevin. What's going on, man? Uh, not much. Um, so, uh, <laughs> not that much. So just any, here, listening so to anyway, you. Um, um, how did you like being on Chelsea lately? Um, oh. would, you, um, would you like to go back to Chelsea lately again? I mean, she did um, um, tell one of her security guards that um, um, she likes his black skin. I'm sure you're no different. <laughs> Chelsea, Chelsea lately is a good friend of mine, man. And uh, Chelsea's success is unreal. I'm, I'm beyond happy for her. 
I'm more than welcome to go back to Chelsea whenever, whenever I have the time. It's just my schedule. Uh, but I love the relationship that we have. I love the rapport between myself and other people that she puts on the panel. And, you know, she's got a positive show. You know, it's her, it's her idea. It's her lane. And for her to bring other comedians, it's her way of blessing comedians and comedians. Her way of blessing, <laughs> her way of blessing comedians and giving them a chance to basically promote themselves. So I love what she's doing and the opportunity that she's giving other comics. And for that alone, I would always support Chelsea. So yes, I would definitely go back to her show. All right. right here. Who else? I see you in the middle with the tomahawk hand. Go ahead, sweetie. Can you talk loud? In NYC, well, I'm I'm basically a New York native. I'm from Philadelphia, but I lived in New York for some time. Uh, so for me, when I come back, it's like coming back to home. You know, I love how fast New York City is. I love how rude everybody is. It's beautiful. <laughs> I think that's the most beautiful thing about New York City. Like, I asked the guy what time it was. He looked at me and said nothing. I said, <laughs> I said, hey man, you know what time it is? It <laughs> 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 just left. I said, yeah, that's New York. Uh, so far, man, I've, I've had a day full of promotion, so I haven't really had time to do anything. Tonight, I'll probably be disgusting, eat some greasy pizza, uh, and, and pass out wherever I eat the pizza. But I, I come a lot, man, and nine times out of ten, I wind up at a comedy club somewhere just popping up on stage being silly tonight. But How you doing? My name's Jeff. What's going um, on with you, Jeff? Not much, man. Um, I was just wondering, do you still get stage fright? Do I still get stage fright? Very weird, but no. I'm so comfortable in front of people, man. I'm quite sure you guys can tell by the way I'm talking to you now. Uh, this is what I do. It's, it's my job at the end of the day. So for me to have fear in what I do, I feel like that means that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do to the best of my ability. I get excited. You know, there's a rush that I get before I go out. And, and uh, I'm pumped up constantly. I love the fact that I get to talk. I love speaking. I love uh, giving my opinion. I love people receiving my opinion and giving their opinion about what I said to them. So very hard for me to get stage fright. Unless I got gas, then it's different. Then it's, it's a different ballpark there. Uh, let's go to this corner right here, man. You, sir. Hello, my name is Jose, and I wanted to know if you get to have any time with like, your family because of the meetings and stuff like that. I'm, I'm a super dad, man. Uh, I go above and beyond for my kids. My daughter's six, my son is four. Um, my life is basically dedicated to them. My schedule is dedicated to them. Um, my weekends are normally work weekends, Thursday, Friday, Saturdays, sometimes Sundays. I try to dedicate Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays to my kids. And when I'm with them, they get all of my time. If I'm filming a movie um, and I'm out of town, I try to get it in my contract to where I work three weeks, I'm off a week, so that week that I'm off, I can go back out and be with them. I mean, the only thing that can really throw my schedule off is me filming a movie. Other than that, nothing jeopardizes my quality time spent with my kids. It's important for them to know who their dad is and know what their dad does. And for me, seeing what my dad went through, I know what not to do as a parent. So I have to be in my kid's life as much as possible. So that's priority number one for me. What's up, man, you, you in the front? My name's Kirill. What's up, man? Am I supposed to hold it? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a microphone, sorry. Hold oh, okay. it. Speak in it. No, I was just going to ask you, um, like, I noticed, you know, you dress really nice, mm -hmm. and, like, when you walk by, like, I got, like, a little whiff, you know, like you were smelling like, you know, like you were wearing, like, a top shirt. asking too. me what I smell like, man? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm so appreciative. 
Uh, no, I was just gonna ask you, um, like, you know, you obviously have a lot of money and, you know, fame, and I was just gonna ask you, like, if that's gone to your head at all. Uh, fame, fame is definitely not going to my head. The reason why, people don't realize this. Some people that are successful don't realize this. At the end of the day, it can be gone. And I mean, you, you guys have seen people, uh, that the industry can build up to be huge stars. And you can see those same people get attacked by the industry and those careers get finished. Uh, it's not about fame for me. It's, it's about the fact that I get paid to do what I love doing. I make people laugh. That's what my life is about. The movies, television shows, that's all a bonus. Um, at the end of the day, I don't let that get the best of me. That's why I'm so true to stand-up comedy. I control stand-up comedy. That's what I love to do. I don't want anybody else to control my destiny. When you allow people to control your destiny, that's when you think you're too big for life. That's when I think I'm better than you. That's when I think you can't talk to me or look at me a certain way because I'm here and you're here. I refuse to think like that. I was raised better than that. Um, at the end of the day, the people that I'm looking at right now are the people who have given me the opportunity to live the life that I live. So I can never look down on those people that support me the most, which are my fans. So fame would never go to my head. And if it does, you guys have, you guys have permission to smack me in the back of my head. If, if you see a sign that I've changed. Matter of fact, first sign that I'm changing is leather pants. If you see me in leather pants, that means I'm gone. I'm, I'm, I'm completely out of here. Yes, sweetie, go ahead. I can hear you, you're right here. Go ahead. Hi, my name is Italy. Uh-huh. Okay, and um, when you were coming into, uh, comedy is a very like special talent you mm -hmm. have. How do you know as an incoming comedian if you have it or you don't? How did you know that? You know, that's a good question. That's a real good question because I, I, don't know, I don't know if I can answer that. You know, I mean, who am I to judge if a person has it or doesn't have it? You know, who are people to judge if I have it or if I don't have it? I think it's up to the person. You know, if you, if you start out and you're not good, it's up to you. Are you strong-willed enough to get good, to be at people's standards of what they consider good? Or are you a person to say, you know what, I don't think I'm good, so I quit? I think it depends on the person. For me, I wasn't good in the beginning. My name was Little Kev the Bastard. I, I had no jokes. Uh, it was all scenarios. Like, literally, my first jokes was like, man, black people crazy. Uh, <laughs> we eat chicken like this. <laughs> White people be like this. <laughs> What's up with that? Like, that was it. That was, that was my jokes. That was your joke? Yes, that was it in the wow. beginning. So, if, if, if I didn't think I was funny, or if I personally didn't believe it, I could never get to a place to where other people believed it. So I think it's all about the person. It's all about are you strong-willed enough to put the work in and get to what, you know, uh, quote unquote, people say is funny. You know, I mean, funny is you got so many different levels of funny. It's what's your level of funny and how do you perceive it and and are you willing to work to get it? So that's a good question though. That stumped me a little bit. Let me let me piggyback me real quick. Let, Kev, <laughs> Kev, let yes. me ask you real quick because I know we're running out of time. Because uh, he brought up an interesting point about fame mm -hmm. and success, and and a lot of times um, the fame and success may not change you, but it may change the people around you. Mm -hmm. You know, family members. I'm sure as they've seen you, you know, catapult up that ladder of success. Um, so a lot, it brings a lot of people around, but it also it damages a lot of relationships. Did you experience that because of your, how, what do you take your success? And laughing my pain, if you guys see, uh, you'll, you'll see the guys around me. Um, and 
two of the guys, three of the guys are comedians that open up for me on the road who've been in my life for, you know, years. I'm talking eight plus years. Uh, another two of the guys are friends. Another guy was a road manager. Another guy is my brother. This is my circle. This is my nucleus. Their job are to be the people around me to keep a, to make sure I'm keeping a level head. Um, I want to I wanna actually trash these guys. Actually, as I say it, that's one of them coming down the steps now. That's, that's Harry, who is, is one of my best friends. They're asking me, if my, has fame gotten to my friends' heads? And as, let me, yes, yes. <laughs> hey, hey. Uh, but you know what? I can honestly say, man, we all do a very good job of, of staying level-headed. And we call each other on, on our BS. And I think when you have a good team and you have a good people around you that aren't yes-men, it's a, it's a great it's a great atmosphere. Yes men are what mess people up. People that say yes to everything. Hey man, do I look good? Yes, you do. Hey, am I tall? Are you tall? Yes! <laughs> hey, like, but those are the guys that you don't want around you because you start to feel like everything is supposed to be that. And you know, at the end of the day, it's not. I don't want to be in the bubble. I want to understand what's going on in the outside world. I think my friends definitely helped me with that. So I take my hat off to those guys for staying real. All right. Um... Wait, hold, how much time do we have? Okay, okay. cool. Let's I'll go. Let's go. He's been raising his hand for a while today. Go ahead. <laughs> no problem, man. Go ahead. Okay, that's uh, a good one. Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's already uh, good. All right. Yes. Uh, first part of the Let's question uh, for aspiring comedians, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, urban comedian as myself, mm -hmm. what kind of advice would you give to an upcoming young comedian? And uh, second part of the question is, Will you be taking pictures with the staff? Because I would like a picture. With the staff? <laughs> okay. I think I'm obligated to take a picture with the staff. I think I have to, because I'm in your store. Um, uh, as far as you being an up-and-coming comedian, man, my advice to you would be, if it's something you want to do, put your all into it, man. Like I said, um, I'm in no place to judge uh, anybody or, or, or tell you what's good or what isn't good. You know, all I can do is speak from my experience. And from my experience... You know, the payoff of, of a craft that you put your all into is the best feeling in your world. Like, what I mean by payoff, in other words, when you work so hard to achieve something and you finally achieve it, it's, it's unbelievably mentally rewarding. And I can say it was for me. Because, I, you know, people don't notice. I got 15 years in comedy, you know, and I'm 32 now. I've been doing comedy since... 18. I hope this adds up to 15 years. Yeah. Um, I've like, been doing comedy <laughs> since, I was, since I was 18. And, you know, I hear the struggle stories of so many people. You know, Bernie Mac, rest in peace. People don't know Bernie Mac was living in his car for years. And it seemed like Bernie Mac got famous overnight. Bernie Mac had 20-something years on the road that nobody knew about. That was underground or struggle. DL, years of struggle. Uh, Steve Harvey, who's a mogul and one of the smartest men I know. Steve Harvey was homeless, living out of his car, worked with Ford on an assembly line, didn't get paid for a certain amount of years. After figuring out a way to get paid, started doing comedy, went back to living in a car, traveled. Like, it's so many success stories in comedy. 
and you appreciate these stories when you lived it. And I, I've lived those stories from back and forth to Philadelphia, New York, you know, being up here for nine to 10 hours, not having a place to stay up here. So I had to drive all the way back to Philadelphia, come back the next day by five, six o'clock, be the first one in the comedy club. So they thought that I lived here because if they found out that I didn't live here, I wouldn't get the chance to do the comedy spots that I wanted. So I had to mentally make them believe that I lived here. It took a year of me going back and forth before I got on stage. I didn't get paid. The spots was five and ten dollars. Some spots that were done at the comedy cellar at two in the morning, you got paid in food. If you don't have these struggle stories, you have no success stories. So my advice to you was if it's a struggle, struggle, the payoff is so rewarding, man. So stick to it. That's what I would say to you. All right. Uh, one more. One more. One more. No, we, we didn't get anybody over here. Uh, let's go with him right here in the front, sir. Uh, knowing that you're a, a Philadelphia native. Mm hmm. Is it your local spot, or do you like Pat's or Gino's better? Man, you know what? And you'll see this and laugh at my pain. I went to the hood. I went to Max's. Max's hasn't cleaned their stove in 36 years. And I'm going to tell you something. It's so many different pieces of grease, man, from different cheesesteaks. Max's cheesesteaks are the best to me. I mean, Gino's is good. Gino's is good. Pat's is good. But Max's is just disgusting. Like you just, like your sandwich don't even stay together. You feel, you feel dead after you eat it. Like, like literally after you eat a Max's, your eyes are just rolling the back of your head. But it's Philadelphia, so you know what? We're known for cheese steaks. I'm a cheese steak fan. Uh, I'll eat them all, but I'm, I'm going to Max's first and foremost. Max's. Uh, before you leave, you mentioned Steve Harvey, and mm -hmm. I know you're starring in an um, upcoming movie, Think Like yes. a Man. Yes. Uh, with Terrence J is in it as yes, well. Yes, he is. Uh, he does an unbelievable job mm -hmm. in this movie. I don't know if you guys are Terrence J fans or not, but I promise you will be after this film, man. And I respect Terrence so much, mm -hmm. man, because he, he came so prepared. Like, Terrence wants to be so good at acting. He's so motivated. He yeah. had his script memorized before we even start shooting. Like, it's at the table read. He was prepared, man, and it comes out well. Uh, I think Terrence is going to get a lot of work after yeah. this movie, man. Yeah. Yeah. Future's bright for Terrence. Talk about your role in that movie and, and, and what the movie is about. Think Like a Man. Um, think Like a Man is loosely based off of Steve Harvey's book, Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Man. Think Like a Man is coming out uh, in theaters March 9th. Now, basically what they did was they wanted to do a movie that was driven by a male's point of view. It's a, a male dramedy, okay? It's a romantic comedy, but it's from a man's point of view, which hasn't been done. Whenever you see a romantic comedy, it's always woman-based, you know? We what? Uh-uh, not like this. Don't do me like this. What should I do, girl? I don't know. You better leave him. I don't want to leave him. Girl, you better find Jesus. Oh, I found him. Like, that's, those are women movies, okay? That's my woman voice for everything, by the way. Uh, but with this particular film, they wanted to go from a male's perspective. So it's about five guys and, you know, the way that they view relationships. And these guys are looking for relationships. And I'm actually going through a divorce in the film. So my view on relationships is negative. So my friends are trying to move forward in, my lo in their love life. I'm trying to drag them backwards. Through, through my advice and their lives, I've realized that what I'm saying is no longer true. What they're trying to get in gain is what I already had. It makes me want what I had back. And it's about guys realizing the importance of love and the importance of relationships. But before you get there, it allows men to be men. This movie shows us not caring. 
not caring about a woman's emotions, us wanting to be with our friends, us thinking that that's a priority, us thinking that hanging out is much better than spending time with our ladies. It really grasps what men think and how we are and how we interact with women. And it shows a full, complete circle turn of what men actually do when they realize the consequences of losing what they had. It's a really good film, man. I've seen it. I saw it twice. Um, this guy, Kevin Hart, is very funny in it. Uh, so, you know what? Honestly, I, I, I wouldn't lie to you guys. I've done bad movies. This is probably one of the best movies that I've done. So, definitely go see it when it comes out, man. All right, Kevin Hart, uh, Laugh at My Pain, available on iTunes. Thank you. DVD. Thank you. Man, give him a round of applause.